Hey everyone, this is Prashant and I'll be your host for the VC Ethan X podcast and today we have Alex Forbo with us. Alex is a general partner at Green Egg Ventures where they're investing in early stage B2B SaaS companies. In this episode, we talk about how Green Egg Ventures got started, what they look for in companies, perspective on exits, exciting portfolio companies and a lot more. So without wasting any time, let's dive straight in. Hey Alex, so good to have you on the VC10X podcast. How are you doing? Hey Prashant, I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, pleasure hosting you. So to start things off, uh, I would like to uh, understand the story and your background, like uh, how you started uh, Green Egg Venture. Um, for sure. So I'm originally from Michigan and uh, I uh, initially moved to New York and my plan was to uh, get some startup experience. So my goal was to work at a startup, wear a bunch of different hats and get that experience um, before moving back to Michigan. However, I got really lucky. I got uh, interviewed a venture fund to come on as an intern. I got uh, interviewed as a venture fund to work at one of their portfolio companies. And rather than uh, put me at a portfolio company, they ended up bringing me on as an intern. And after a couple months, I ended up getting a full-time position. That fund uh, was called Metamorphic Ventures uh, back at the time. And I immediately fell in love with, with venture just meeting people that are taking risks and going out to solve problems in the world, um, you know, helping, helping those companies grow. Uh, I knew I wanted to do venture capital forever. So after a few years of working at Metamorphic, um, you know, I figured it was a good time to go out on my own, you know, take that leap. And uh, we did. We ended up launching our first fund back in 2016. Now our second fund in 2020 and are raising a third fund uh, now. Yeah, that sounds incredible. So it seems uh, like you are one of those people who started their careers uh, directly in venture capital. Uh, we have a lot of folks who start out in different careers and then switch over and get into venture capital. So uh, can you tell me how was it? How was the experience of like uh, getting into venture capital straight away? Uh, and then how did you learn the ropes? Like what were the in- initial things that you started to learn? And over time, how did you build this understanding of different businesses to be able to now uh, have your own fund, which is now uh, itself six-year-old fund, and now you're raising a third fund, right? So can you tell us about that entire journey from start, uh, from the very basics, from where you started to now you're actually leading a fund? Yeah, so I never like I never thought I would get into venture capital. I, I'd grown up working for my family business, and uh, which in, involved traveling to China a lot, finding products that were being manufactured overseas, and then selling them. So in in, in the U.S., so it was, uh, you know, I, I got really really lucky getting into my first venture job, and uh, you know, like like I mentioned, just basically, you know, learning about all these new great technologies out there, learning about problems in the world from from people who've lived them. And then, you know, seeing all the innovative solutions that people come up with was just uh, an, an absolute an absolute treat. So um, uh, so to answer your question, we we basically founded the fund in, uh, uh, you know, 20, we started fundraising in 2015, raised the fund in 2016, uh, and then started investing out of it. The first fund was a smaller fund more of like a proof of concept to show that we knew what we were doing. Um, in terms of, of you know, how I learned the ropes and in, in, in growing, I was really lucky at, at Metamorphic. I had some really great bosses over there um, and, and people I worked alongside of. So at first it was really just 
sitting in meetings, listening to you know the questions that the the partners were asking or or you know associates, um, and really just ingraining myself in the processes of the of the fund. So doing things like managing the deal flow, you know, seeing all the companies that that were coming through, you know, understanding why there were certain deals that we were passing on, you know, deals that uh, that we were investing in. Um, you know, assisting with the due diligence was obviously really, really helpful too. And just being a part of, of seeing companies go from initial outreach to us investing in them. And then one thing that we did also, which I really loved, was the portfolio support after we invested. So, you know, there would be times where I'd go for a week uh, and work with a specific company for like a week that was just growing. And, you know, maybe there was a specific project that we were helping them them out with. Um, so being on that operator side as well uh, was was really helpful, and um, and then you know as we launched our first fund, definitely made a lot of mistakes. Uh, you know as, as we've been growing, um, and uh, and learned from them, and then basically have been just applying those learnings for our second fund, uh, and, and and our third fund. So um, the whole thing's you know is just a constant constant learning experience uh, and, and venture. Right. Right. Absolutely. And uh, one thing I wanted to ask you is that why, uh, what's the thought behind uh, the name Green Egg Ventures? Uh, what does it mean? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a good question. We we were initially support capital just because, um, you know, it's, it's kind of straight to the point, but uh, um, didn't really love that name. So we ended up coming up with Green Egg Ventures because we were thinking of, uh, like, we help companies get going. So we were thinking of sort of like breakfast themed. And we came up with Double Shot Ventures and Cold Brew Ventures, but people rather than double shot espresso people were like double shot tequila and uh and then rather than cold brew like coffee people associated with with uh, with beer so we ended up uh landing on green egg green is um you know signifies growth and and money egg you know sort of uh like seed um where, where we do seed investing um and then green eggs and hams a memorable dr seuss book so we figure the name green egg ventures uh is is memorable for for that reason as well yeah, love it. Uh, now, com- coming on to the investment thesis. Uh, so what's been your thesis? Uh, when you started out investing, uh, how has the thesis evolved over time? That as well. Yeah, so we've always been a fund that focuses on business to business. So we avoid consumer, we avoid hardware, um, and, uh, uh, you know, anything deep, deep uh, biotech. Um, and uh, the thesis has changed a little bit. When we first started, Back in 2016, you know, we, we basically were investing in a $5 million valuation or less. We are very early. Um, obviously, that, that price has sort of ch- changed these days, especially uh, last year or a few months ago. You know, we, we've sort of upped that to a $10 million or lower valuation, which is still, you know, compared to our peers, a very, very low valuation to be coming in at. And uh, so we, we like to say that we are, you know, we're wide on industry, so we, we invest widely across business to business in a bunch of different verticals. But we're much more narrow on uh, on the uh, on the sec- on the stage. Um, so we're ha- we're investing at a ten million dollar valuation or less in, at the post product market fit stage, uh, typically when the company has traction with revenue. So yeah, finding companies that have both traction and at a ten million or lower valuation is is definitely more and more rare these days. Um, but uh, we, we're definitely able to find those businesses in, you know, maybe more more niche industries, solving more niche problems. But they're, they're they still have a ton of potential. 
Um, so, so yeah, that's sort of how we, how we see ourselves, um, in terms of our focus. Right. And, uh, since these companies are like so early in the process, uh, of, uh, their startup journey and you want to uh, make investments in them. So what is the criteria, uh, of, uh, making the decision that whether you want to make an, uh, an investment or not, how are you evaluating these companies since there is not a lot of data to see at that point of time? So what do you look at? Um, so there's a few things that we look at. Firstly is who is the founder? You know, why are they the right person to be solving the problem that they're solving? What insights do they have? You know, connections in the, in the industry. Um, and uh, just really understanding, you know, the why, why they're founding the company. Um, you know, running a company is difficult. And uh, if, if you're in it for the, for the wrong reasons, when things get difficult, it's easy to, to bow out versus someone who's more mission-driven. And solving a problem is going to be uh, uh, is going to deal with the blows a little bit a little bit better. So we're looking at the founders. Um, you know, was the founder able to attract maybe an engineer as as a co-founder, CTO, or maybe the the you know the CTO is one of the co-founders? But being able to attract other people to your idea is also really important. It shows that you can communicate what you're solving and your ability to you know attract talent it goes a long way. So that's number one. Um, Number two, you know, we see a ton of companies every week and we see a lot of the same sort of things. So when, when we see something that's really new and original, it gets, it gets more exciting. So we're, we're trying to, you know, identify those deals where, uh, where they really are differentiated. And, you know, that's something when we're going through our deal flow, we're going through, you know, 50 or 60 companies at a time, you know, we're quickly able to, to knock out the ones that look, uh, you know, more broad, not, not as focused. Uh, um, yeah. So, so that's, th- those are two big things. The other things that you're asking are, of course, you know, if they do get it right, um, you know, what's the potential of this business uh, is, is another big thing. And then lastly, uh, before investing in any company, we typically do about four to eight customer calls or reference calls. Uh, so, so we'll, we'll talk to customers, you know, hear what their life was like before they used the, uh, the, the technology and what their life was like after. And, you know, if we have six calls with customers and they won't stop talking about it, they're not waiting for me to ask questions. They're clearly excited about it. Uh, those are the things that we're investing in versus if someone sends more bored with it or, um, you know, the, those are the ones where maybe it's not as much of a need to have. It's more, more of a nice to have. Um, so yeah. And then, you know, the, the technology companies that we're investing in, we want them to have a direct impact on the bottom line of their customers. So there are, you know, companies out there that might help with productivity or, or other areas that, that, you know, do impact the bottom line, but not as directly versus we're looking for things that are, uh, you know, immediately helping them make more revenues or, or cut down on costs. Right, uh, right. That makes sense. Yeah, those are like uh, good criteria to evaluate an early stage company. Now, uh, moving on to uh, the deal flow, like you mentioned deal flow quite a few times in a conversation uh, up until now. So uh, what are the major sources of your deal flow and how, how do you get that targeted deal flow of those early founders who are still early in their journey to uh, come and pitch you? It's a good question. So there's a few ways that, that we go about deal flow. Firstly, um, you know, we have a really great community here in New York City. So just 
being being out there, going to events, networking with other venture funds. Um, you know, a, a big thing that we do is we just share deal flow with 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 colleagues, and uh, um, so that that's really a a, a big piece of it. Um, uh, so yeah, sharing sharing deal flow with colleagues. You know, a, a big thing that we do is we uh, we we're very hands on with our portfolio companies. So we never invest in a company without first telling them you could talk to any of our other investments and hear the work that we do. And I we'll probably get into that a little bit later. But by adding value to our companies, it it basically means that you know other funds want to like to have us in in the round. Um, it it often means too that even if a round is is oversubscribed, we can still um, you know, convince the founder uh, that that we're worth being being a part of the round. Um, so that's that, that that's a big source of it is just being known for that value. Uh, sorry, uh, value add. Um, you know, there's other things too where you know there's obviously a lot of great incubators and accelerators out there that that, that we're easy to up to date with. A lot that we're close with, and we'll meet with companies throughout a program. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, cold outreach to us just because we're on. Uh, Probably some lists out there in internet. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a lot of deal flow, and uh, but I think what what it comes down to really is just being a a, a good member of the New York City community, uh, you know, and uh, you know sharing deals with people and and, and getting deals back. Right, uh, absolutely, and. Uh, like uh, talking about the very recent developments and since you're mostly investing in software companies so there is this exciting thing uh, that everyone is talking about it's it's the gpt and ai and uh, i would like to know what's your perspective uh, on that from an investor's view uh, are you like pretty excited about it you're going to invest uh, some money into that space or do you still want to wait and see how that evolves over time what was the space you mentioned uh, before ai uh, I, I just said GPT, which is like uh, opening, I think. So uh, basically, broadly speaking, the AI space in itself. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, the, the AI space is, it's different. You know, it's, it's, it's not like uh, fintech or healthcare. It's, it's, it, it sort of goes across all industries, right? It's, uh, um, so, you know, it, AI is, is definitely, uh, obviously, a space that I think every fund looks at it's you know ai is is tricky because a lot of people you know talk about ai or, or claim ai and uh you know there's di- different levels of sophistication so um you know i think i think the question to understand is is uh what is the ai um like helping the company enable you know is it making the software smarter it, you know, it's so so yeah, it's, it's. I guess that, that's what we try to understand is is what the AI is enabling. It, it is a space that we invest in. Like I said, um, we'll continue to shape industries, you know, in ways that we don't we don't understand. So it's important for us to be at the uh, the forefront of that. Right. Uh, absolutely. And uh, uh, talking about your portfolio companies, uh, so would you like to mention uh, some of your portfolio companies that are doing exciting work uh, in different areas? Yeah, yeah, it's it's tough to choose. So we have fifty one investments between our our two funds. Um, right. I guess I'll mention can mention one from from each of our funds. Uh, so um, in our first fund, we we have a really cool company called uh, Near Space Labs. Um, basically, 
uh, the way that the company works is they put a balloon up, up in the stratosphere with the camera on it, and they look down over an area of interest in high res and collect data uh, on it. So the satellite imagery is a huge space right now, just sort of seeing um, you know, from, up from above. And uh, the problem with satellites is that every, you know, you only get a picture every so often, right? You can't stop a satellite in, in mid-orbit versus a, a balloon up in the stratosphere. You can keep up there for a long period of time. And there's a lot of really interesting information that you can pull, whether it's real estate data, insurance data, seeing if there's any, uh, you know, after a disaster, you know, what what, what, what the total damage is, um, being able to, you know, see data on uh, global warming or, or, or other other areas like that. So I just think that's really cool. And, and what's really cool about that company is they're trying to democratize that data for anyone. Uh, so anyone can go in, plug into uh, uh, to their platform and, and start utilizing them. They're a really cool one. Um, in our second fund, same between two, um, let's go with, uh, uh, let's go with Native Voice. Um, they're a really cool company. So with Native Voice, the idea is that in the future, um, you know, our devices won't distract from the real world. So right now, if you and I are having a conversation and I pull out my phone and start looking at it, it takes away from my attention on this conversation. So if I'm trying to interact with a brand or pull up information on anything, my, my, my attention is shifted to my device. So in the future, the idea is that voice will be a big part of it and I'll be able to interact with brands, devices, all through voice, pull up information when I need it. Uh, and uh, Native Voice is helping to enable that. So Native Voice is essentially the bridge between anywhere that there's a microphone, whether it's in your headphones, in your car, in your speakers, uh, and a brand, a, a brand's voice services. So if I want to speak to Starbucks and have them have a latte waiting for me at 8 in the morning, if I want to order, order an Uber XL, um, you know, pretty much interact with any brand in any kind of way, I would do that through native voice. So rather than the brand needing to connect to Skullcandy, Bose, Sennheiser, um, they just connect with native voice and it, uh, from there it'll, it'll connect with, with, with all the brands. So I think that they're, they're a really exciting company. Uh, that's a part of the future of voice. Right. Uh, absolutely. I'll make sure to uh, put the links to both both those companies in the blog post. I'll go along with this episode so that our listeners can check that out. And uh, now, can can we talk about exits? Uh, so, uh, are are you thinking about exits uh, when you are starting out making an investment and evaluating a place that okay is there a big exit potential in this or not? Uh, and the other thing is about uh, I think you have had some exits as well in your portfolio. So uh, can you talk about how those played out to give us a few examples? Yeah. So, you know, as a fund, um, one of the main reasons why we're investing in such, uh, you know, it's why we're so focused on low valuations is just because, you know, e exits happen much less often in the billions and in the hundreds of millions. And for us, we want to be able to, you know, hit home runs for those exits that are in the hundreds of millions and uh, get a good multiple. Um, so when we're thinking of exits, it's, you know, we're, I guess we're, we're less of a fund that is, you know, looking for those unicorns or decacorns and more really trying to, trying to find those that have nailed the product market fit, maybe in a more niche industry that still has a ton of potential to be huge, but maybe um, not at the same scale as uh, what where other funds 
uh, might be focusing. So that's how we think about exits. Um, you know, we we don't we don't go into diligence being like we're we're only going to invest in this company if there's like these ways it can be acquired or, or go public. Um, we you know we're just focused on the company building a great business, defensible business, and then from there you know let the rest sort of take take care of itself. Um, you know we we have had some exits, some some big, some small, and uh, um, I guess for as a story, one of our most interesting exits was just a company. Uh, they were called MessageS, and uh, they, they had a, a cool. A cool technology. They were basically just like uh, allowing any influencer or celebrity or brand to have conversational to have conversations with consumers. So let's say, for instance, I want like uh, let's say Rihanna was on it and she had a show coming up in New York City uh, um, at MSG. I could message with her, you know, say, "Hey, I'm looking for seats under this price," and it would be like more of a, a back and forth conversation. Um, uh, where then you know I, I I could purchase just by saying yes on uh, on the platform. But long story short, they were acquired like literally a month and a half or two months after we invested in them. So that was sort of the first time where I, I noticed uh, how quick you know things can happen in in the venture space. So that was an exciting, uh, you know, it wasn't our biggest exit, but it was one where it just happened so quickly, um, and we we did get a good return on it. So it was uh, it was a, it was a fun one. Right, and, and and usually when VCs are thinking about exits, they're mostly thinking about ten-year timeline. So, uh, what's what's been the average amount of time that you have seen your exits come through? We launched our fund in 2016, so you know, being that's it's the end of 2022 now, uh, a lot of our most of our companies by far are still operating. So obviously, we're we're skewed more towards earlier exits, as there will be later ones that that happen um, further down the line. So, um, you know, I, I'd say. Obviously, that one was a liar, but typically, uh, you know, for our, our biggest one, it took about six years for, to get to an exit. So it happened more more recently, um, which I think is probably about the minimum amount of time it takes to have a, a pretty a pretty big exit. So we have a few other ones that we're looking to over the next few years that that we feel can, uh, you know, can exit pretty big as well. So I would say pro- it'll probably end up being like an eight year, like a seven to eight year av- average, at least for our first fund. Right. That's great. And uh, so I have this uh, one last main question for you before we move on to the rapid fire round. So this one is about uh, what is something that you wished that you had learned earlier in your venture journey uh, that you now have learned? Something I wished I learned earlier. So I I guess I'll go a little bit on the side here because we're we're mostly talking about startups. But, you know, a big part of running a fund is... uh, um, is you know we have to fundraise as well. We we have to pitch our fund, um, get you know limited partners to uh, um, to believe in our vision, believe in us, and to uh, to invest in us. So you know I think I, I had some sales background before uh, you know getting into venture as well. And I think back when I was younger and doing the first fund and second fund, I put a lot more pressure on 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 myself to 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 be a good fundraiser to to you know get people to commit to to investing in green ventures you know in, in meetings and uh, you know which doesn't really make a lot of sense when you're thinking of such a long term game like venture it's definitely a, a relationship especially at the earliest stages it's very relationship driven you know 
making genuine connections with people, um, and uh, you know, building up trust over time is is really paramount. So, um, I think once I sort of shift my mindset to saying, you know, I'm I'm not here to to raise money. I'm here to build relationships with people that are interested in venture. Um, and if it's a fit for them and it's a fit for us, you know, all the better. And uh, it just sort of you know it really takes the sort of pressure off of fundraising and makes it feel a lot more genuine in terms of just wanting to learn about people, share information on, on what I love, which is, um, you know, venture and, you know, the, the founders that, that, that we're investing in. Um, so, so yeah, that, that really, you know, helped a lot and changed a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a great one. Uh, as uh, venture is one of those uh, industries that runs primarily on people, like it's more of a people business than a money business. So you need to have those relationships in place and people thinking good of you so that when there is an opportunity, they remember you over someone else, right? That's that's where you win, right? Yeah, and that's what, like I mentioned earlier, you know, whether it's going to events, you know, it's investors want to work with investors that they like, firstly, um, you know, so just being out there, meeting people, making connections. I mean, investors want to want to share deals with people that actually add value to those investments. So. Um, you know, those are really the, the two things that, that, that we look to do is just be part of the community, add value and, um, uh, yeah, and then just provide uh, support to our companies. Right. Absolutely. That, that's a great, great approach. Now, moving on to our rapid fire round. So here I'll ask you five quick questions about the fund. Uh, and uh, you have to give five quick answers. Sounds good. That. All right. So the first one is what are the sectors and regions you invest in? North America and Latin America. And sectors? Uh, broad across uh, business to business. And what's the typical stage of investment? 10 million or lower valuation. So pre-seed and seed. What's the typical check size? For this fund, 100 to 200K initially, 250K plus in follow-on. Next fund, 300 to 600K. Uh, initially, 500K to 2 million follow-on. Great. And where can founders pitch you? Send me an email at alex at greenegg.vc. Um, it's where we organize all of our deal flow and, and share a deck and we'll we'll review it. Great. And last one is where can our listeners follow you? Um, I'm not really uh, on social media so much, but LinkedIn is a good place. Uh, go on LinkedIn, message me, say that you listen to the podcast and uh, that way I, I'll know to, uh, to, to accept uh, the invite. Awesome. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on, Alex. I love the work that you're doing and happy investing. Awesome. Thanks so much, Prashant. Take care. Take care.